Hey, this is Dan with episode 18 of Garage to Goliath, Leaders Building Legacies podcast. In episode 18, you'll meet Michelle. Michelle's the president and CEO of Coast to Coast Conferences and Events. So imagine getting to speak around the world, meeting the most successful positive leaders, then getting to choose from that group. That's what my show is about, learning from the best how to be your best so that we can challenge ourselves to lead with purpose, impacting lives and communities. Hi, I'm Dan Quiggle, and welcome to the Garage to Goliath Leaders Building Legacies podcast, where we learn, lead, and leave a lasting legacy. So today, first of all, Michelle, thanks for being here today. Uh, Michelle's the president and CEO of Coast to Coast Conferences and Events. Michelle, for my listeners, tell us more about you. How did you get into conference and event planning and destination management? Well, thank you, Dan. Um, It was not my intention. After I graduated from college, I was uh, taking a year off until I went to law school and ended up working on Capitol Hill for a while. And I was in Washington, D.C., and one of my mother's friends thought that I would be good in the hotel industry. And um, I fought that for a little bit because I remember my sorority sister worked at the front desk when I was in college, and I just thought that was just so tacky (laughs) and not a great job. And um, so the more I thought about it, I was young, I was in my 20s, and I said, what's the, what's the worst case scenario? If I didn't like it, I could leave. So I ended up working um, at the Westin Hotel, the Mayflower, um, with eight guys from Cornell and went through a management trainee program, and my hospitality industry was born. I went up the corporate ladder and became the first woman general manager in two hotel chains. And... Um, From that point, um, I landed in California, and California just fit my purposes and really enjoyed um, settling down in California and the weather, and I really did not want to move anymore. And at that level, um, you really almost have to, and I turned down five moves and started my own company. So it wasn't just the move, though. Tell me why, what made you decide that you wanted to be the boss? It, it truly was not, not wanting to move. I did a stint after I left um, the Doubletree where I was a general manager, did a stint in um, uh, Catalina, and I was a general manager for a hotel there as well as ran a catering business and a restaurant business. And I, um, I realized that there were no uh, sales um, or there was nobody selling Catalina on the mainland. And I felt with my knowledge that I had um, of the island and of my hotel background that I found that there was an excellent niche to potentially grow a business. And that's really what started me thinking about owning my own business. So was that a scary time? I mean, was there a financial risk? What does that look like? Did you did you keep your other job until you get it, got it started or did you just cut it clean and, and, and start your own business? I, I was still working in Catalina, but also developing a business plan. Um, I developed a business plan. I um, uh, uh, filed for an S-Corp. I knew that much to do. Um, And I thought uh, wrongly um, that it would be very, very easy to run a small business after running um, a multi-million dollar asset as a hotel, 500 employees. Um, I thought this could be very easy, and I was absolutely dead wrong. (laughs) I made every mistake in the book. 
um, you know, at, at the level of a general manager, you have an executive committee, you have managers, um, you have employees, but when things get to your desk as a general manager, oftentimes a lot of the, munici- uh, um, the details have already been done. So that was a learning process I had to go through to really learn how to interview um, people at the entry level, how to uh, enter data for um, your P&Ls and your balance sheets and, you know, all the things that I took for granted because I had people doing that for me. So you said you made every mistake in the book. Like, what were some of the big mistakes? Because I know there are a lot of people who are going to be listening to this that, that want to do that, want to take that leap of faith and try to start their own business. What were some of the bigger mistakes you made early on? Um, not having enough capital. Um, I uh, started out with a couple hundred thousand dollars, which I thought was adequate. Um, but there's a ramp up time and you have to take that into consideration. How long it's going to take you to fill your pipeline with sales? Um, how long is it going to, um, take to, um, educate people what you're doing? Um, you know, what kind of marketing and advertising back then it was print. So that was really expensive. Um, you know, hiring the wrong people. Um, I, uh, I've learned I'm very trusting and I really believe in what people tell me. So I'm not the best interviewer in the world. Um, hiring people that ended up stealing, um, from me. Um, there was a case where, uh, the vice president of my company started her own company while, um, working for me. So I made uh, a lot of those type of mistakes that, um, I really needed to learn from. Um, so, yeah. So you said, you talked about your first hire. Who, who was your first hire? Um, it was a salesperson um, because I, I at least I understood that I needed to fill my pipeline. So while I was out um, educating um, the public in what we were doing and developing the processes, I needed somebody that could execute and sell, sell for us. I'm always so curious, is that person still with you? No. Um, and really, you know, we've uh, rebranded the company three times now, um, and we've grown. Um, Catalina Travel Connection was uh, the initial company, and it really served a per- its purpose. We did individual packages and groups to Catalina, but obviously we had repeat clients who, okay, they went to Catalina, now they're ready to do something different. Um, so Catalina Travel Connection didn't really, um, it, it, didn't, it wasn't the right brand. So we uh, rebranded to CTC Destination and Meeting Management. And, you know, as, as you know, people serve their purpose, um, employees serve their purpose at one level, but they may not be scalable to the next level. Right. And people that I had working Catalina were not scalable to the next level. So, and, and I wanted you to explain kind of what you're doing right now with Coast to Coast. But before we get there, so go back to, the, to this part because I think this is a big part with my listeners uh, and, and it's an important point. So you said you started with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Well, a lot of people don't have that. Did, did you save that money? Was that, I mean, I hope you don't mind me asking, but you know, I'm always curious, like how do people get to that point? Because there may be people who had 25,000 or want to bring in other people or other people's money. How, how did you get there? Um, it, it was all my savings. Okay. So um, I had a very lucrative job as a general manager, and I saved. Um, and um, so I did not borrow any money. Um, so it was all mine. Yeah, no, and and listen, that's a good good point to make. You know, when you when you work hard and you save, and and that there's opportunity that can come out of that. That's exactly what happened here. So tell us more about your company, Coast to Coast, and you know what do you what do you do? How do you change lives? 
Well, so th- this is our third rebranding, and, and we did this about three years ago because we didn't feel that our image um, portrayed um, that we are a coast-to-coast company, and, and we are a national and somewhat international company. So that's why we um, changed our branding to coast-to-coast. And, and we work with the national corporations and associations um, that want to provide cost-effective, bold, innovative experiences for their attendees. Um, and we have a unique five-step strategic process that we take our clients through um, so that we can understand their goals and objectives. And we have national partnerships and cutting-edge technology, um, which allows us the ability to scale to meet uh, the demands of our clients and ensuring bottom-line results, and those are the key things. Um, and overall, um, we really care about meeting uh, our clients' goals and objectives, and I think uh, we really bring value um, to the clients that we serve. Well, I love that you you talk about how you save an average of 20 to 40%. How do you, how do, you do that from a business standpoint? Um, being great negotiators, um, number one. Um, number two, we have, as I mentioned, national partnerships. So we have wholesale rates with a lot of our partners. Um, we also, um, being um, that I, I have both a hotel um, background as well as the meeting and event planning world, um, I know what um, the other side can provide that they're not going to offer. Um, so, and I do want to make it a win-win situation, but obviously if you're not asking for concessions, um, then you're not going to get them. So that's how we, um, have been able to save our clients 20 to 40%. And we do a cost analysis. We do post reporting at the end of every event, but we also do a cost savings report. Um, that substantiates all the savings that they've been provided. So, you know, most of these events for companies are done for, I mean, it has to uh, eventually affect the bottom line. So it is interesting. I'm always curious how people kind of find their competitive edge. So when, you know, when I walk into companies, I'll look on the wall and I'll see different mission statements or guiding principles. Well, you have these company values, exceptional customer service, going the extra mile, innovative approach, lifelong learning, love that one, leadership focused and giving back. How and why did you pick these as your guiding principles, and how do they inform the way you do business and, you know, how you lead? Um, you know, the, it's really what we had been doing all along, um, but now we just um, put it in um, in text. And that's truly how I like to look at my life. So it really mirrors um, my values. Um, as well as company values. If I'm going to work this, this long in a, in a company and, and own it and it's my credibility and my ethics on the line, um, this is really what I want us to stand for. Um, and we, we are known for our excellent customer service. Um, we, as I mentioned, want to know the goals and objectives. We care about the person, not just the client. Um, we want to know what they're all about, what, what their needs are, not just on a professional level, but on a personal level, um, and, and how we can assist them with being the person they want to be as well. And we're not clock watchers. I mean, we're always looking at what other revenue streams we can bring to the client that they may not have thought of. And we like to be um, cutting edge. I mean, our industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And to me, it's a bit staid. Um, it doesn't move too fast. And I really like to think of ourselves as disruptors in the industry. We always want to look at things differently and 
how can we bring our um, clients' events up to the next level and have a memorable experience for their attendees where they want to come back. Um, and I so believe in long life learning. I mean, I went through Leadership Long Beach, um, Goldman Sachs, um, 10,000 Small Business Initiative. I got my senior certification um, for our industry. Of course, you know, I belong to Vistage. I belong to Pinnacle. Um, so I'm constantly wanting to learn the best business strategies uh, and how to scale the business. And I do bring my employees along with that. For example, my event director went with me to the CEO success retreat because I felt it was important if he was going to grow the company with me, he needed to be with me during that event. And um, our housing coordinator, I'm bringing her to MPI because I want her to get introduced to our industry. So, um, you know, we're, we're all about that. Um, and leadership focus, I want to, um, you know, it's important to be influencers in our industry, you know, that we are the leaders that people come to to ask questions, our clients as well, to ask questions and for us to assist them in any way that we can. And, um, you know, giving back, is, it's giving back not only to charity purposes, but giving back to our industry who's taught us so much. So definitely love that you invest in others and, and you bring people along. I think that's so important. So what one word, if you had to say one word that pops into your head when you think about your business, what would it be? Oh, I think value. Um, you know, I, I really think that we bring value to our clients. Um, but on, an, on the practical side, I, I would say scalability because that's right what we're in the throes of right now. And so you, you recently went, speaking of that, you went through a hiring process for a major role, director of events and head of growth. So how do you evaluate if someone is a cultural fit for your company? You know, we, we review our values in our interviews and get their take on what that means. Um, I think that's really important. I think the commitment to growing the company right now was, was a very big um, uh, decision maker. Um, for me, um, because that's where our focus is right now. Um, and obviously, references that, that we've checked, um, you know, are very, very helpful, background checks. Um, just their overall perception of who they are and what our industry is all about and what they think they can bring to the table. So how do you find pe people like that these days? Are, are you using a headhunter? Are you advertising? No, actually, um, it, it was interesting because Barry, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name, but he was a speaker at Vistage. And he was talking about HR and hiring. And his idea, which I think was brilliant, was making the job description interesting you know, and making, making it measurable. And so that's what we did. Um, we did go through Indeed, but we, where we find most of our employees is through our warm market. So we send out um, the job postings to all of our vendors, our partners, and our clients. Um, and that's where we found um, all of the people, that we, all the employees that, that we have. Yeah, so it, it, that's a tough part. I mean, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So you want to find the best people. And you, I, I saw that you used Indeed. I mean, I know there are a lot of sites out there in different places, but um, that interview process becomes so important, doesn't it? Oh, it does, and it's so time-consuming. So it's so important to, to find the right um, fit, you know, right off. Um, and, you know, although they, you know, they say that they're going to commit to stay, but, you know, it's really important to find people that are truly committed 
to being with your company and investing um, their time um, and not looking at this as a jump off point or something better after they've learned everything they can learn from us. So, and, and that's a bit of a challenge overall with, um, you know, millennials. Um, we found that, you know, many of them, not all of them, um, are looking at, you know, looking at jumping, you know, year to year to different um, uh, jobs. And when we see that on a resume, we steer away. So is it, is it hard then? So how do you, how do you get past that point? Like, how do you find that person in this job market? Do you have a secret that you'd like to share with us? I mean, you know, I, I wish I did. My event director is at the end of a, of millennial. He's 35. So he was, um, his um, background was large scale music festivals. So he was on the road all the time and he was looking for stability. So that's how we ended up. Actually, he was with um, Emissary Media. So they came to us because they wanted to work on projects with us. And um, he and his partner, um, you know, weren't doing what, I mean, he the partnership didn't go so well. So he came to me um, looking for a job. Um, and that was through um, marketing to our partners and our vendors, which he happened to be one. Um, and that's how I found him. And so he had already owned his business, so he understood the growth that I wanted to go through. So he, um, so that was helpful to be able to scale quickly um, on the growth side of things. Um, and then, you know, there are um, millennials that are, that don't follow that pattern. And I think our housing coordinator is one of those that. She was traveling an hour and a half to work back and forth, and um, she had a very good reputation in Marriott, um, but she really wanted more time and more balance in her life rather than driving such far distances, and she literally came on about three weeks ago, and she's a rock star. Yeah, it's so fun when you get great people like that that oh, really, it makes really make all an the impact. In the world. So, so you talked you talked about learning, and let's kind of focus a little bit about that. What is your big why in life? Why do you get out of bed every day? <sighs> because if I don't, I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, I I feel that I have more to do, um, and I really have a passion to help independent planners. Uh, they, I see so many hanging a shingle, and you have to have three um, strong skill sets. One is, well, one's not really a skill set, but you have to have a strong business infrastructure. You have to be great at sales, and you have to be great at logistics. And sales and logistics are not necessarily compatible. You know, uh, logistics are very detailed, um, very anal um, processes, um, and a salesperson doesn't necessarily want to do that. I mean, what they want to do is nurture relationships, close a deal, and move on. And so when an independent planner is working on a deal or working on um, the logistics of a deal that they close, nobody's filling the pipeline. So I just see so many independent planners failing. And I'm going, how can I develop a program that would allow them to be entrepreneurs while teaching them and scaling them to establish their business? And we have the business infrastructure to do that. We have the software. We have everything that they would need. Um, and they don't know what they don't know. So um, I'm really interested, and in, we're just on the, on the beginning of developing this program. 
but I, I think it's very scalable and I think it could go worldwide. Obviously, there are independent planners everywhere, right? So and you would, also, you, would, you would bring them into your system and then they would work within the software? And yeah, and, and I'm not sure if, if it would be a membership, a subscriber, but it would include training. It would include um, lead referral because we already have that with um, this, this side of the business. Um, so, you know, we really haven't um, gotten to that point yet. We're just um, now kind of doing some brainstorming on it, um, what, what it would look like. Um, but I'm very excited about that. And it's not only, it would not only be good for independent planners, but there's so many administrative assistants and different people in the corporate world that are charged with, you know, negotiating contracts and doing logistics of a program when they really don't know what they're doing. And that's not their main part of their job, but they're um, tasked with it because people don't understand, you know, the time that it takes, number one, and the value of doing it right. So, Michelle, I'm so glad that you just brought that up. So, so you, what that conversation just represented was, the, uh, to me, the ultimate mind of an entrepreneur. So here you are. You're running this successful business. You've been through three different kind of rebirths. And then you're sitting here seeing an, another need and trying to fill that need. And I think that that's the difference, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint is, you know, not just knowing that a problem exists, but then trying to solve that problem. And so here you have a value that you can add to that. So I, I was happy that they got to sit and listen to your mind as you were walking through that. Like, I'm not even sure how we do it as a membership or, you know, you were just walking through it and that, but that's what it's all about. And so, you know, entrepreneurs to me aren't just talkers, they're doers. So they'll talk about it, but then they'll actually come up with a solution to make it happen. I challenge my listeners, if you have that business idea. Make it happen. Do the business plan. She talked about it. You know, save the money. Get do whatever it takes to make these things a reality, and great things can come of it. You know, no no great reward comes without a little bit of risk, and and mm-hmm. I, I I'm glad that they got to hear you kind of walk through that that process. So you and I met at Vistage worldwide, and uh, uh, where I was the keynote. What? Why is it important to you to be part of something like Vistage? What does lifelong learning mean to you? Well, I mean, for me, Vistage, um, I want to be around people that are at a level either that I, that, well, I want to be around people to the level that I want to strive to be. So there are a lot of um, team members in, in our group that are much more successful than I am at this point, and I want to be around those people. I don't want to be around people that are at the same level as me because I'm not going to learn as much as if I were with other people that are where I strive to be. And also, I think it's so interesting because, you know, although everybody is in different industries, the problems all remain the same. No matter if you are a smaller business, a large business, there's still human resources problems. There's still um, financial problems. There's still... um, you know, procedural problems. So it's, it was amazing to me when I joined Vistage that um, that's one of the things that, that I really learned. And also the, how each of us can give back to each other. You know, when somebody's going through a challenging time at their business or personal life or health, I mean, we're all there to support each other. And, and that's a wonderful um, experience to have. And not only that, but the speakers, as you know, Dan, you're one of them, are excellent. I mean, I, I could never have uh, afforded to um, been uh, at all these seminars where all these speakers were speaking. And, and you all are speaking to a small group, so we have intimate one-on-one time with all the speakers. And that's so valuable. And you share. You share so much of your information with us. In fact, you know, the rocket pitch 
you you took my call, you know, after you were at Vistage, you know, and I said, I'm having trouble with developing this rocket pitch. And you personally called me and helped me through that. And that, where else can you find that? Yeah, no, it, it is, it's fun to meet great people who, you know, they're, they're problem solvers. They're not excuse makers. That's why I love speaking for Vistage and uh, meeting great successful people. So, you know, one of the most fascinating things you've said today, and you've said a lot of good stuff so far, but it's just when you said, here I was running this great company, uh, this organization, I had 500 employees, and then I started my own business. I thought it was going to be easy, and it wasn't. It was hard. So, But part of that is is that whole learning process and leadership process. So describe what you know one, one of your own personal traits that you think is your biggest asset and at times uh, what, you know, what is your biggest liability? How do you balance that? Oh, I, can, I can answer that right away, perfectionism. And um, I get that, I think, from coming from a corporate world um, that, you know, oftentimes projects are delayed because I want every T crossed, every I dotted, it has to be perfect. And that's not really an entrepreneur's thinking. Um, and it really has been a hard transition for me is to go, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just get it out there, you know, and, and we'll tweak it along the way. And that's so foreign to what my process was in the corporate world that um, I have to really be cognizant of that and stop and think about, okay, it's not perfect. Um, is there anything in here that's going to cause any problems if I release the project or work on it as we release it? Um, so I think that that today is still a, a challenge for me. Well, at least you identified it and you're trying to work around it. You know, there's this great, uh, an old show, How I Met Your Mother, and I, he wanted to start his own architectural firm. And they kept saying, when are you going to start? And he said, well, I'm waiting on business cards. And then he's like, yeah. well, I'm getting a new desk. And then, you know, he just he kept postponing it. And finally, they're like, just start the business. And I always, yeah. I always re- relay that to my friends. Like, you know, sometimes you just have to do it. And it's never going to be perfect. And yeah. there is no perfect, but there's there's a lot of good. And if you give good a little love, you may get it in the great category. So, all right, what one piece of advice? I love this question. What one piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self and why? I'm always fascinated um, to hear the answer. Uh, let's, I think get out of your own way. Um, I think oftentimes um, you allow things that happen in your life and things that are said to you to impact Um, how you feel about yourself and what you are able to achieve. And I think it's just get out of your own way and get out of the negative thoughts and why you can't do things. Think about why you can do things. Um, And I think that's a struggle that many of us have is that, you know, we have these premonitions, not premonitions, but thoughts that, that have occurred or comments that have occurred or, situations that have occurred throughout life that hold us back. And, um, you know, if I could tell myself early on to get out of my own way, I, I would have done that a lot earlier. I'm learning that now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great saying, you know, if fear wasn't a factor, you know, where would you be? Would yeah. how, how, In business and personal life, everything, but we kind of have this self-doubt and this fear that comes along with it. And some of it's respectable and, and, and important, but also, you know, it does hold us back sometimes. And especially from the leadership side. So, you know, when we talk about leadership, and let's talk about it a little bit, spe- you know, specifically, one of your company values is leadership focused. What does leadership mean to you personally? What what are ways you practice that in your own life? 
Um, I, you know, again, I, I think it's um, being an influencer, um, you know, lead by example. I mean, that's the old cliche, but I think that's important. And, and like you said, you, you know, it's so important to walk into the office every day happy, taking the time to listen to your employees, asking them how they're doing personally. Um, I really took a lot of your comments away, and I, I've instilled them in my day-to-day walking through life. And so I thank you for that, Dan. Uh, <laughs> But um, it, it's really, um, I've been around the block now. I mean, you know, I, um, I've been in this business a very long time. And to me, leadership is giving back. Um, as, as we said, with the independent planner program, I mentor a lot of um, planners that are starting out or that are stuck um, and need help um, to go to the next level. Um, and I look at that as, as uh, being an influencer. So, that to me is, is what's important to me now, um, is that um, there's value in the words that I speak. I don't need to speak a lot of them, but um, I, and I'm very um, interested in um, people's you know personal lives and their growth and what they want to accomplish. And you know, I, I went to a, a seminar. Um, I guess it was this year um, earlier on. And somebody said, rate the 10 people that you're closest to. And it could be family, it could be uh, coworkers, it could be, um, you know, your mentors, whatever it is. And then rate them if they're in your penthouse or your basement. And, um, you know, basement meaning they're always negative. No, you can't do this. You know, what are you trying to do? You're, you're never going to achieve this. To penthouse where they have con- constructive criticism, but they're supportive. And I want to be a penthouse person. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that whole mindset and and the way that that speaker described it. So that's great. So, you know, first of all, personally, I'm trying to be more transparent about life challenges because hard times make us, don't they? And, and so if you can help me with that, will you describe a significant mistake that you've made and, and how you learned from that and how maybe it impacted the direction of your life? You know, there was um, there was a situation um, on Catalina where, um, and I was only there a year, and I took a corporate directive, um, which turned out to be um, not a good choice, um, and it was um, it became a legal situation, and it was uh, traumatizing to me, um, and. You know, I learned several things. You know, one, all I was trying to do was take care of the clients or customers that were at the hotel. Um, and they, um, there were illegals that were hired um, at the hotel. And the INS raided the hotel. And it was devastating. I had never been in trouble with the law. I never got a speeding ticket. It was just the most horrific situation that I'd ever gone through. And the company, you know, took on it, you know, said, you know, I know we, we told you to do this and we're going to support you. And they brought their big attorney in. And for a couple of months, they were very supportive and then dropped me totally and said, you need to go get your own attorney. And wow, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And they just dismissed me. And uh, that changed my life forever, actually. And this is the first time I've spoken about it. Um, and it's it's a very traumatic situation when um, you've done it. You think you've done everything right. You've you followed the rules and you followed the playbook, and you're believing that your corporate office has 
your vested interest at heart because you're taking care of their their multi-million dollar asset, all their employees, their customers, and and their clients and and guests, and um, that's what happens. So it sure makes you think uh, in the future about how you handle things, about decisions that you make and the impact of those decisions, doesn't it? Yes, it, it, it truly does. So that's, that's, a, that's a mistake, and, and I appreciate you sharing that with us, and, and definitely because, you know, we, we learn from those things, of course. So can you tell me a story about in your life where maybe you weren't leading well, like within your team or within a team, and you, you said, I have to change this so I can be better? Yeah, I'll, I'll even tell you that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do think people can learn from it. Um, I had employees here, and it was uh, probably three or four years ago, um, that were very caustic. And um, they were gossipy. They, you know, as much as I tried to sit them down and say that is not our philosophy, um, the cancer grew, and it, and it grew, and it grew, and I could not, I could not get it out of, out of the company. And, um, you know, if you allow bad eggs to continue in your company, that cancer festers and it affects everyone in your company. And um, to the point where I wasn't leading anymore, I was just trying to put out fires. And I'm going, this is not what it's about. This is not, this is my company. You know, and I felt I was hostage in my own company. I didn't enjoy coming to work. I didn't enjoy the people that were working for me. Um, and I, I just stopped it right there. I cleaned house and um, started afresh and, and said, I will never allow that to happen again. You know, it's not easy to fire people. And a matter of fact, I remember watching, you know, friends of mine who had businesses letting people go. And I, I, one time I talked to one of them. I said, how do you do that? And, and I said, because it just drives me crazy. I, I can't sleep at night. I get upset. And he goes, oh, good, Dan. That tells me you have a soul. Congratulations. You care. And he said, because you should. It's your fault anyway. You either hired wrong or you don't have enough business to keep them. Which one is it? And I remember just sitting there thinking, well, good point. You know, I appreciate that. I just think we wait too long. You know, we'll always say we'll deal with it next week or we'll give them one more talk or one more conversation. And there is a line in the sand that eventually once the decision is made, you have to make it. And you bring in somebody else that wants to be there. And I I do think it's a relief for everyone involved because clearly they're not happy there or they don't like it. And uh, and I've never heard anyone say, you know, they usually say, I guess in the end, "I, I waited too long. And I should have done it sooner every single time. So I appreciate you sharing that story with us. Well, if, if I could say also yeah. on that note, Please. because this is something that really concerns me, is the way that people get let go and get fired. I've gone through about probably three of my friends that have either been let go or fired. And how the, how the process was done was so devastating to them that I believe they have post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it, they were absolutely devastated. And I think it's so important to teach managers how to terminate somebody with dignity, um, how to let somebody go with dignity and not make it personal. And I, I'm still working with three of my friends through this when it happened a year ago um, because it, it, it hurt them to the core. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was their personality, you know, not their personality, their traits. It wasn't just business. It was the way that they were terminated. It made it personal. So I have to ask then, what is the proper way? I mean, how do you do it? Well, I, I think it's, I mean, with dignity. I mean, that 
you know, these are the skill sets that uh, we brought you on, or, or the, you know, these are the um, the skills and the tasks that we brought you on to achieve, and um, you know, we've given you um, opportunity to be able to do that. Um, you know, we, we've checked up to see what else you need. You know, just um, to make it more business-wise, not anything personal. personal. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and I also think it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, you should have had conversations with them, multiple conversations, yes. and even document those conversations to make sure yeah. that, and, and have them sign it so that they know that you're not happy with the direction of either the the professional side or the personal, you know, the attitude or whatever it is. And so it should never be a surprise. I think, and and um, and, and that's a big part of it, and making sure that oh, you're yeah. having conversations, and you're actually communicating with these people. But I love the and dignity. And help them find another side. job. Yes. I mean, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong. I mean, it shouldn't be an adversarial kind of situation. I mean, I know it's hurtful, but, you know, if you can help them find another job that is better suited, why not? It goes both ways, too. You know, it's interesting. I always tell, even during the interview process, I'm like, hey, look, the day you don't want to be here, don't be here. I mean, it's not, life's too short. And a matter of fact, you know, I always want you to do something that you love to do. And so don't think it's going to be a disaster from our end or anything. I mean, just talk to us about it and, and we'll wish you the best and, and help you down the road because it's a long ball game. So I do love that, that you brought up the word dignity. So thank you for doing that. And I think uh, there, there are business owners that are listening. I mean, that's just an important part of the process is just good, open communication, documenting conversations, and then uh, doing it with dignity in the end. So all right, let me let me ask you this. Describe the one trait that you look for in your top people and why. Hmm. God, there's so many. I don't know if I can, if I can. Uh... Well, you don't have to, but just if you if you could come up with one, what would it be? Passion nice. for what they're doing, I, I think, is important. You got to want to be there, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you, you brought up earlier Vistage and, and kind of that, the basement or the, or the penthouse. Who's in your kitchen cabinet? Who do you ask to speak for to when you're, when you're going through tough times in your life? Describe that type of people you surround yourself with. Um, well, I'm really excited about I just joined the Pinnacle Group, and I don't know if you're familiar with Allison Maslin. Does that ring no. a bell? No, I don't. So it is... Um, it is a organization that um, their whole purpose is helping you scale your business. And um, I'm very excited. I just joined that group. Uh, that was the CEO uh, success retreat that I went to. Um, and I have a coach that is um, great. And so he's one of the people that I go to. Of course, our chair, Mark um, Thomas with Vistage. Um, I go to... Um, I'm not about pity parties. You know, when things are tough, I want to go, I really want to surround myself with people that um, I can, uh, you know, talk about ideas and ways to get out of my tough times. I really believe in growing through, not going through tough times, because I think there's always an education at the end. And I may not understand why I had to go through that right away, um, but it will dawn on me, you know, it may be a month or two or three, you know, that I go, oh, okay, now I get it. This is why I went through this. You know, I think everything has its purpose um, and they're stepping stones to making you stronger. So if my listeners could just take, write that down, growing through, not going through tough times. I mean, that's just a great uh, piece of advice for everyone and learning from those mistakes, learning from the challenges. 
uh, learning from the opportunities that are presented to us. So what is the one thing that you think is critical for your company to have that competitive advantage from a leadership perspective? Is it the value? Um, I mean, you, you brought that up earlier, but like what, what is the one piece from a leadership perspective that, that you bring the table that you think helps get that competitive advantage? I, I think value is giving back. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Go-Giver, but no, that not. is kind of, that is my mantra. Um, it, it's really about um, connecting people with other uh, people that would be of help to them. So it's, it's really about not worrying about the bottom line. Um, obviously, um, you want to do a great job and, and what your company does, but it's also how can I give back to the people that, um, you know, that are um, you know, our clients or um, our vendors, our partners, because I think if you give back to them, they will be, you'll, you'll be in their forefront to give back to you if you're open to receiving. So... Um, I really, I really value that, and that's why I'm a mentor to a lot of um, meeting planners. Um, you know, and I want my employees to do the same. It's not all about us and what we can take. It's also what what we can give. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I, I say this all the time, but when you invest in those other people, I'm, I'm a karma person. I can't help it. I know we're not supposed to use that word in business, but I think it comes back to you tenfold regardless of whether you like it to or not. And if it doesn't, yeah. who cares? You did the right thing. And, and, you yeah, know, exactly. And, and that leads directly into into kind of the last section here, which is on the legacy piece. And and how do we, Michelle? I I try to help other people, and you know, think about their own legacy as we move through life with purpose. So tell us, what's left for you? What's what do you still want to accomplish? Well, I, I like I said, I think the independent planner program, um, whatever we're going to call that, um, I'm just very committed in growing that. Um, and so that, that's really my focus now. But also, I mean, all the things that are related to owning a company is I don't want, you know, I'm still working in the company, not on the company. And I would like to spend my full time working on the company. I would like to spend time speaking um, um, to our industry. Um, I'd like more freedom. Um, you know, my, my husband, um, every other day or every other week, he's taking time off to golf and I'd love to be able to golf with him. Um, and it's just really owning your own, um, your own time. And um, I'm not there yet, um, but I, that's where I'm focused on getting. And um, I think developing this program that will help others will allow me to um, get to the position that I want to be in. I don't know that I would ever stop working, but um, it would allow me more free time to travel and do the things that I enjoy doing. There's a great saying, the true definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who's willing to work 80 hours a week so that they do not have to work 40. And I love that because and, – and, and, and clearly you're doing that right now in, the, in the, the fact that you even said you'd love to play more golf every once in a while, but you're working too hard trying to get these new businesses off the ground. So what, 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 what causes are you passionate about? How do you act on those passions? Are you able to integrate that into your business? Um. You know, I, I mean, that that's really it. I mean, helping our industry. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but I mean, the program is, is where I can help my industry. I think also our industry, like I said, is very staid. I want to be a disruptor in our industry. You know, I think that the, there's so much more that we can do. And I don't think people understand the value that um, planners bring. Um, I don't think we do a very good job um, of advocacy in our industry, and I, that's something else that I um, I am passionate about. 
So uh, the neat thing about life is we can choose to surround ourselves with people with different perspectives, levels of experience. And you you mentioned a couple of them, but who is someone who has had a significant impact on you as a leader? Like who's your mentor? Describe that person and your relationship with them. Oh, well, I have um, I have a couple of them. So Vivian, who was my advisor in Goldman Sachs, 10,000 Small Business Initiative, uh, she's still my mentor. Um, she is a really great sounding board um, because when I come to her with ideas, I mean, she questions me to death <laughs> to make sure it's the right thing to do. And, um, and she's very supportive, too. So she's definitely in my penthouse. And how long have you known her? Um, I, I went to the program in 2012. Okay. So she's been there a while. Um, I would say my brother, um, who owns a multi-million dollar company in Chicago. Um, he's also a mentor to me, um, you know, because I can talk to him about business and talk to him about personal life. I can talk to him about anything and I'm just so proud of him, but he's got a very good, um, sound business, um, philosophy and and he's just um he's so smart um so he's another one um you know as i said mark thomas with biscuit and stewart um you know with pinnacle and allison uh, those are fairly new but um you know i i kind of kick myself because if i had to do it all over again i would have had a business coach a long time ago i really didn't understand the value of that until now and I think I would have been much further ahead if I had had the kitchen cabinet, so to speak. So for my listeners, how did you get that business coach? Like, how did you find him? And, and by the way, how do, they, how do you pay them? Do you pay them monthly? I mean, I'm just curious because I know there's people that are going to yeah. be listening. Yeah. So Mark actually found me, um, Mark Thomas, uh, who was the chair of Vistage. Um, and since then, I've referred quite a few people to him um, but um, he found me um, and pestered me, actually. I'm like, no, I'm not interested, not interested. And finally he said, let's just sit down and talk. And I said, okay. And that's how that whole relationship started. Um, Luann Bynum, um, who was vice president of Long Beach City College, I sat on uh, the uh, Downtown Business Association um, board with her and she talked to me about Goldman Sachs and I said, no, I don't have time. I'm running a business. I understand. She goes, well, if you don't have time to, you know, improve your business, what do you have time for? I went, okay, got it. So that's how I I learned about Goldman Sachs. And then Pinnacle, um, I heard Allison speak at an unconventional women's conference um, with WeBank. And um, really liked what she was saying and went to her CEO success retreat and really believed in the philosophy and really believed that the coaches were in it to assist you in scaling your business. And that's a perfect fit for us right now. And yes, it is a monthly fee. Um, I think it depends on which level of Vistage you are, but um, it's $1,400 a month with Vistage and um, with um, pinnacle it's 2000 months. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly investing in your future, investing in your company, you as a leader, and, and it takes some, and people, I hear people with different groups, you know, that attend these leadership conferences or everything. And they say, oh, I can't afford it. I'm just like, sometimes you can't afford not to, for the simple reason that you've got to, you know, be at the top of your game. You have to invest in yourself. And that lifelong learning process becomes very crucial because just when you think you're the one, the smartest one in the room, you may want to look in another room. You may want to go find somebody who's even better, not only to work with you, 
but then to learn from along the way and push you to be the best that you can be. So, and there's there's also free free um, organizations too. I mean, there's SCORE um, that are business consultants that um, someone could go to. It doesn't always have to be a paid service. I mean, and SBDC, um, they have business consultants as well. And, and they're... The- um, Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and great point. In the end, you can create your own kitchen cabinet. I mean, who do you surround yourself with? Who are you talking to on a regular basis? I always say, are you at the top pulling everybody else up? Are you at the bottom being pulled up? You kind of want to be in the middle there. You want to help some people along the way, but you also want people who are going to say, be better, dream bigger, you know, those those points along the way. So that's a great point. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, in that same vein... As you know, in my speeches, my favorite question to ask both myself and others is, you know, how will your children describe you to their children? And uh, and if they don't have kids, I just say insert friend or family or whoever. So, you know, I, I like that question. So, Michelle, in your wildest fantasy, how would you want to be described? Well, I don't have children, but... Um, uh, let me see. So just from friends, from family... I would say um, she achieved her dreams while taking everyone along with her. <laughs> oh, that's great. I would say, you know, just achieving your dreams while, not, uh, while caring about others and giving to others. I mean, that's really... Well, clearly you're doing that not only with your employees, but also, you know, by mentoring and other things. And that's that's what it's all about. And then and then challenging yourself to be a disruptor, to, to be a change agent within the industry and being as cutting edge as you can and adding value along the way. So a lot of good things happening, Michelle. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for being here and speaking to it with our listeners. Let me know how I can ever help you in the future, but just really appreciate your time today. Oh, absolutely, Dan. Thank you. And I, again, I, I got so much value out of your, your talk and your personal one-on-one time with me. And I thank you for that. Those are the kind of people that you surround yourself with. Listeners, we are also working on some other fun, exciting things coming from the Quiggle Group. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, though, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Garage to Goliath. Subscribing helps others find the show in iTunes. Please also leave an honest review. That's how I get better and make this better for you. And I'd be so grateful to you if you'd share this podcast with others on social media. Send a quick email to someone you think would enjoy it. Just let me get the word out so we can continue to build our leadership legacies together. 